0: Good morning. My name is is Tony, and I am the missions intern here at Redeemer. I'm preparing to go to Nicaragua. Uh, A couple of things before we start. The first thing is um, we announced this a while ago, but we're still trying to uh, reform our missions team. So if you're a member here and you'd like to uh, spend a little bit of time, it's not a huge commitment, but help oversee and care for our ministry partners, uh, please come see either me or Jonathan. Uh, We'd love to get you plugged in with that. Also, some of you may be wondering how we're doing uh, in our progress. So we are uh, over 60% funded. We're at 62% now and uh, hoping to leave either late summer or in the fall to be able to move to Nicaragua. We're actually in the process this week of actually moving out of our house. So please be praying for us. And uh, we we do actually have a special prayer week this week. So uh, if you'd like to get our prayer guide uh, for one day this week, please see me. Uh, One of the things that we've done as we've uh, been going around and raising support is we've gone to different community groups, especially from one of our sister churches. And so as we were going around doing that, there was this one group in particular where they did an icebreaker game, and they said, uh, what would you do, like what would you want your job to be if you weren't doing what you're doing now? And so I'm a bit of a nerd, so uh, I said, I'd want to be a professor, but the reality was that if I had really searched my heart, I would know that that was a lie. Because what I really want to be is king. And, uh, you know, I don't have to bother with Congress or any of that stuff. I, you know, I just want just to be king. You know, I mean, some of you guys probably feel that way too. You hear the stuff on the news. You just shake your head. You just can't believe what they're doing. you're like, I think, man, if I was in charge. But I was in charge. But the reality is, is that, that sometimes uh, it's good to be king and you make like, great decisions uh, when you're the leader. Like, like Eisenhower did the interstate highway system. I mean, we all give that two thumbs up. You know, if you've had a drive out of state, you, know, you just love I-75, I-95. I mean, he was great. Those of you guys going to Tallahassee love I-10. I mean, it was, he did a great job. Uh, but then sometimes things go really bad. Uh, your great ideas just fall through. Uh, in China, there was a dictator, Mao, shortly after uh, World War II. And he had this great idea to try to help like, modernize the country and get things better. So he came up with this thing called the Great Leap Forward. And what that was, was they, they moved everybody out of the cities, and they be, made them farmers in communes. And he's like, this is going to be, trust me guys, this is going to be great. Uh, it was a total disaster. Uh, within four years... Uh, some estimates have it up to 45 million people died. I mean, that's a hard thing to recover from, right? I mean, I, I don't know how you go on ruling after that, but he did. And, you know, sometimes things go well, sometimes things go bad. And we're going to be talking about a couple of different kings today. We're going to be talking about one who was really good, and we're going to be talking about one that was really bad. Uh, you might have noticed we didn't have a, a reader this morning. Uh, that was intentional. I just think it would be better to kind of walk through some of these passages together. Uh, You may want to take out your Bible, because we're going to be going through uh, three chapters and then kind of moving on from that. Um, So you may want to read a couple of verses around what we're actually going to be reading aloud. If you're using the pew Bible in front of you, you're going to be on page 329. And this is uh, 2 Kings 21, 1 through 8. Starting in verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hepzibah, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah's father had destroyed. And he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven and the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his son as an offering, and used fortune telling and omens, and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the carved image of Asherah that he made, he set in the house of which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not cause the feet of Israel to wander any more out of the land that I give to their fathers, if only they will be careful to do according to all that I have commanded them, and according to the law, that my servant Moses commanded them. Manasseh was a bad guy. And he was a really bad king. The, the tradition is, is that uh, Isaiah, who, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, was actually martyred under his rule. And it talked about um, he burned his son. And based on, on what I could tell, uh, what I could read, what, what that meant was, it didn't actually mean that he, he necessarily like, killed his son and, and set him on fire, but that, but that the Asherah that they had was, was a statue and it would have metal hands and they would make it red hot and then they would, they would take their baby and they would put it on there as a way to dedicate their baby to the demon god. I mean, and then not only did he do that, but he also he did that in the temple so it would be like if you came in one Sunday, and over here where we typically, you know, baptize babies, there's this demon God, and we're, we're dedicating our children to Satan. I mean, that, that's the type of just craziness that was going on. He, he, was, he was a bad guy. So let's see what the Lord says about that. In verse 10. And the Lord said by his servants, the prophets... Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these abominations and has done things more evil than all the Amorites did who were before him, and has made Judah also to sin with his idols, therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing upon Jerusalem and Judah such disaster that the ears of everyone who hears them will tingle. Here's what God's saying. He's saying, I'm going to bring such disaster upon them that when people just hear about it, they're going to have, like, a physical, like, cringing response. Their ears are going to tingle. So the question is, is God kind of overreacting here? I mean, really, right? I mean, Asherah. Yahweh, they're they're all sides up the same mountain, right? I mean, why is God getting so worked up? Is God overreacting? I I don't think so. This is the way I think about it. Uh, when, When I was in college, I worked at a law firm, and they specialized in family law, which a lot of that was divorce. And there was a woman who came in, and what happened was, by all accounts, she had been a faithful wife, and she had been a good mother. But then she had a terrible accident. An accident that was going to leave her uh, years of rehab. She probably would never be able to walk uh, properly again. She wouldn't be able to, to talk quite right again. She was, she was just broken. Now how would you want your family to respond to that? Well, I'll tell you how this family responded. The, the husband, he got another wife. That's why she came into the law office, because he was divorcing her for another woman. And the children, who were, who were young adults and teenagers, sided with the father against their mother. And not only did they side with her, but they would call her names to her face. Does that make you angry when you hear that stuff? I mean, it made me angry. I mean, it makes me angry now when I, when I think about it, because you just can't believe people would behave that way. But God has a stronger claim on our lives. He has a stronger claim on our allegiance than a wife to a husband, than a father to the child. He's the one who who made us, he, he gives us life, and he sustains us. So is God overreacting? No, God wasn't overreacting. And so we know that actually it uh, gives more details about Manasseh in Second Chronicles. And, and you get to see that actually uh, he had some ear-tingling disaster happen even in his life. Uh, eventually the Assyrians come in. They take him out into captivity. And what that would entail a lot of times is they would put a hook uh, through his face. And they, they would kind of drag him on. They would torture him. Uh, some, some commentators said that they think he was probably even castrated. So, if you're a guy here, you probably have some ear tingling from that, you know. This is some bad stuff. But he he repented. He came to his senses in captivity. He actually comes back and and becomes becomes king again. And he starts clearing things up. Uh, He dies, of course. We all do. And his son comes into power. His son's only there for like two years. He gets assassinated. And then we have Josiah. And Josiah... Was a great king. Uh, we're going to look, uh, it's not in your worship folder, but chapter 22, verse 1. It says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozgath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. He, he was a good king, and he, and he loved the Lord. And he started clearing out the, the the temple and started setting things right. And while he's doing all these things, the high priest finds the book of the law and kind of recovered; It hadn't been used in, you know, decades. And so he reads it, and he gets nervous. He says, the king's got to hear this stuff. So he goes, he takes, he takes the book of the law to the king. He reads it out loud to him. And in verse eleven, we're going to see his response, the king's response. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Zephon and Echbar the son of Micaiah and Saphon the secretary and Asaiah the king's servant, saying, "Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people." And for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. He's like, oh no, right? Because in the book of the law, right, Moses goes and he says, you got blessings on one hand and you've got cursings on the other. And he's hearing the law and he realizes we've got a lot of curse coming. This is bad news. Is there anything that we can do about it? And so Josiah goes and he really does a big effort to to throw out the bad priests, to clean up the, the, the temple. He even for the first time in probably over 60, 70 years institutes the Passover and he rules like a godly man. He was a great king. There's a summary statement of his, of his life in chapter 23 verse 25. Before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Was, there was never a king as holy as Josiah. I mean and there were some pretty holy kings. I mean we hear a lot about David, we hear a lot about Hezekiah, but, but nobody surpassed the holiness of Josiah. That's a pretty amazing thing. But there's a problem. Let's look at verse 26 and 27. Still the Lord did not turn from the burning of his great wrath by which his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations with with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I removed Israel And I will cast off the city that I have chosen, Jerusalem, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. Even though Josiah was the best, most holy king that that Judah ever had, God still has an anger. And not just like a passive anger. There's always people from our past who, who we don't like, but we don't ever really think about. And then you get invited somewhere, and they say, oh, yeah, so-and-so is going to be there. And you're like, that guy, I'm just going to stay home. Uh, You you have an anger. You don't like him, but but this is a burning anger. I mean, this is like the people in your life who have really hurt you really bad, and you think about it sometimes, and it just makes you more angry. You're just sitting watching TV, and you just start getting angry. It's a burning anger over something that happened over 40 years ago. Is God overreacting here? I mean, come on. This is, this is ancient history now, right? I think what this passage is saying to us is that our sin sticks with us, it stays. It's kind of like this. When uh, we were moving down to Winter Haven, uh, we, had, we had three kids. We were looking for a house, they were all little kids. And so, we'd go around to the different houses, but we didn't want to keep on taking the kids in and out of car seats, you know, every time, and taking them in the house and looking around. So, what we did was we took two cars. Amber drove with the realtor, and I drove with the kids. And we'd pull up to a house, and Amber would go into the the house with the realtor. If she liked the house, she'd come back out and say, you're allowed to go in now and and look and give me your opinion. Because really, if she didn't like it, what's the point anyways? Um... But so I'd be sitting in the car, and uh, sometimes she would go into the house. She would open the door and immediately just shut the door and come back out. And I'd be like, what, what just happened? Was there like a creeper in there? I mean, what's, what's going on? And she said, no, uh, the previous owners smoked. And, and so the, the, the smoke had gone into the walls, and, and she walked, and she could smell it. And, and it's not something you can just easily paint over, right? It sticks, that's the way our sin is. And we had another kind of similar encounter. This is before that. Actually, we were leaving Fort Lauderdale, and we were, we were moving. We were two weeks away from moving out of state. We had already had a buyer. We were two weeks away from the closing. And Abigail had in her room this white wall. She was probably about three at the time. And she had a white wall and a red permanent marker. And it's a lot funnier hearing the story than living through it. But, you know, he, she has the wall, and she, she decides to paint a little little mural for the new owners on the wall. And so we, you know, we of course freak out. We come in there. We try washing it off. That doesn't work. We get the magic eraser out, which not Harry Potter. It's a cleaning product. So we try, try doing that. It doesn't work. We painted over this thing with kills several times, but still, still the red bled through. And that's what's happening with our sins. It still comes through. It still lingers. And if Josiah wasn't holy enough to undo the sins of Manasseh, then we're kind of in trouble, right? Because in, in all of us, there's a Manasseh and there's a Josiah. Right? We, we do some, some really bad things. We sin. And we do some sins that we don't even want people to know about because we're ashamed of them. We do these really bad things on the one hand. But on the other hand... Uh, we do some really good things, too. We're nice people. and it, it, We try to hope, we hope that our Josiah good deeds will outweigh our Manasseh bad deeds, right? We, we try to, to juggle these, two, And, and you see about this in, in some other religions. Like, I've spoken to some, some Muslim friends of mine. I'll, I'll ask them, uh, well, do you know if you're going to make it to heaven? And they say, of course not. Of course I don't know. I hope so, but at the end of the day... Allah's going to judge my good deeds and my bad deeds, and if my good deeds are good, I get to go across. If my bad deeds weigh me down, then I go to hell. They don't know. They, they don't find out till it's too late. In, in Hinduism, it's also similar, but not heaven and hell is with karma and, and uh, you know, re- rebirth and all that, and if you, uh, if you have your good karma outweighs your bad karma, you get to be reborn into like a better family, and that's all great, but if you're if your bad karma is too much, then you might be born into a lower family, or like, even like an animal, and that's not so much fun. But you don't find out till it's too late. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could just go online to like an online banking thing, and you could put in your password, and you kind of see, see where you stand? You know, so you could do something about it. Uh, but no, we, we, we don't know. That's the problem, is we, we don't know. But wouldn't you want to know? Would you want to know even if the news was bad news? I'll take that as a yes. So we're, gonna, we're lucky that, that our God has given us an answer to that question. And he makes it clear. Um, if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 20. In your pew Bibles, it's page 1040. We're going to start in verse 11. And we're going to be looking at a, a different king, a third king, better than the rest. This is, of course, Jesus. And it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From, the pre- from his presence, earth and sky fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. Okay, let's just pause, because this can going to get confusing. There are like two sets of books. So there's the books, plural, and these are the books of our deeds. They don't really give it a title, but I'm going to refer to it as the book of our deeds. And it's, it's everything that we did. And then over here, there's another book, the book of life. Okay, that's just an important distinction to make as we're reading through this. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, in the book of their deeds, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Here's what it's saying. It's saying that based on our book of deeds, we don't pass the test. Is God overreacting? I mean, a lake of fire? I think for this one, uh, I think if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of times we think, "Yeah, here, God's overreacting a bit." I mean, because I'm a nice guy. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm talking about myself. I'm a nice guy. People like me. I like people. Uh, I'm a I'm a faithful husband. I'm a good father. If you're my Facebook friend, you can you can go and you can read what Amber wrote about me last week on Father's Day. I'm a good guy. A lake of fire? But here's the deal. With Manasseh, we said, no, God's not not overreacting for punishing the sin of Manasseh. And we said, even after Josiah, still God's not overreacting. And so for us, we have to answer the same way. No, God's not overreacting. Uh, here's a framework I use to help kind of think about it. Uh, if I'm walking down the street and, and you see me and you're angry about my sermon or something and you pick, up, you pick up a rock, not a huge rock but not like a little rock, just a nice size rock and you throw it at me and you hit me in the head, what, what would be the proper response to that? I mean, maybe I yell, stop that! Or if I'm bleeding, I call the, co- I call the police, the police come and they say, stop that! And that's about, that's about what happens, right? Now, what if you throw the rock at me and immediately you're tackled by four police officers and you're dragged to prison for years? A SWAT team comes, kicks in your door, searches your house. They, they start questioning your friends and your parents. Would that be overreacting? Yeah, that would be, that'd be overreacting. Unless I was the president. Right? I mean, cuz if you throw a rock at the president, you're lucky to survive because they have snipers just looking for you. And so we have we have this thing where we say if you do something to average citizen me, you get this response. If you do something to the president, you get this response. So what about our sin against the king of the universe. If, if this response is this different between two men, how much more should the response be different for God? So no, God's not overreacting. But he's also not without giving us hope, right? A lot of people read this passage and they think, they think this is going to be a mean passage, but, but I don't think that that's what it is at all, because here's what God does. is He, he looks, and he's, he's clearing the air, and he's being honest, and he says, based on the book of your deeds, you don't pass. But there's another book, right? There's another book. There's this book of life, and if you're in the book of life, then you do pass. See, so what God did was he looked down and he saw us in our sins and he knew that no matter what, our Josiah good deeds would never outweigh our Manasseh bad deeds. And so he comes down as a man, Jesus. He lives a perfect life. And the one who we've sinned against, the one who we offend goes to the cross for us And he says, I'm going to take your sins and I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to take the book of your deeds and I'm going to give you the book of life. So that if we renounce our sins, if we turn from the the things that we've done and we ask Christ to forgive us, and we give our life to him, we don't have to worry anymore. Because he's faithful to save us. And then we can rest in the words from our assurance of pardon, Romans 8.1. I'm going to also read verse 2. It says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's another law. There's another book. And we don't have to worry about whether we're going to be able to, to do Josiah good deeds. Because we get credit to us the good deeds of someone even better. Of Jesus. So in a, in a few minutes, uh, the band's going to come up and they're going to, they're going to sing a song. And if you, you know, look in the bulletin, you'll see it's called the Song of Response. And so today I'm going to ask you to respond. So if you're here today and you're hearing this and you're saying, you know, I've been relying on my Josiah good deeds, but I need to give my life to Christ, then as we're singing this song, I would ask you to just pray in your chair while you're there and just ask God to forgive you. Renounce your sin and turn to Christ. And then I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. In the front of the pews, you probably have this card, this contact card. Just, just go ahead and put your name on it, some contact information. And on the back where it says prayer, would you just let us know that you, you prayed that today? Because we'd love to follow up with you, to rejoice with you, to kind of help you walk you through the next steps. Or if you're bold enough, um, after the service, Jonathan, Drew, and Jeff, the pastors here, and myself, we're we'll, we'll going kind to of be up around talking to people. Would you come up to us and just let us know? so we can rejoice with you and pray with you. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are good. And Lord, we we know that you're not overreacting when you promise to punish sin, but that you have given us a glorious other option. Lord, I thank you that you lived a perfect life and you offered that to me through Christ. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, Lord, we we would keep that in mind. And that for those who haven't turned their life to you, Lord, I pray that they would today.
1: In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Josiah is a great picture of what repentance looks like. It says he turned to the Lord. And so whether you are here and you might be turning to the Lord from Manasseh-like evil deeds, or even if you're here and you would be turning to the Lord from Josiah-like good deeds, the, the motivation in either case, what propels us, what prompts that repentance is the reception that you believe that you will receive from the one you turn to. And if you think of Jesus' story of the prodigal son... The, the, young, the young man who found himself in a pig pen, eating the slop of the pigs, and the thought came to him to go back home, I imagine he re- expected to receive uh, a very mild welcome, maybe even a rebuke from his father, but instead he found a father who had been waiting for the day he would come home, who could not even wait for him to get to the house, but took off running to meet him and wrapped him in his arms uh, to receive him as his son, and so. The line of that song we sang a minute ago, Jesus ready stands to save you if you would come to him. That's the promise of this benediction. That as I raise my hands over you, it's the promise that God indeed will turn his face towards all those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as you do so, receive the promise of this benediction. He's the one that will, will wrap you in his arms, will heal what is broken in you so that he might give you his spirit and then send you out in his power as one who's been restored and redeemed and forgiven and healed and now sent on mission as he sends us this morning from this place. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you as he promises to do and give you his peace both now and forevermore. Amen. Go in his peace.